Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, March the 25th, 2023. It is currently 12.13 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's Saturday. That I guess that should be a good thing, maybe in the minds of some people, because you're like, the weekend is here. It's Saturday. Maybe you have a day off from work. Sunday is almost here. Maybe you're excited because it's Sunday and church is tomorrow. It's the weekend. So there should be some maybe excitement. But for me, it is Saturday and I am not excited. I am filled with a sense of regret. I am I I am feeling uh, a sense of failure, a sense of discouragement, a sense of what went so horribly wrong? How did I end up here on this Saturday? And what why why I'm feeling these feelings and having these thoughts? is because the Bible study exercise that I think started off really, really well, at least I think so. I think it started off really, really well, but I allowed myself as usual to kind of lose the plot. I kind of I kind of found myself maybe leaving the road that we were on because the road was very clearly marked, right? Hey, for the next six to seven weeks, we study individual chapters in the Gospel of John. That's simple. That's straightforward, right? Hey, this week, we're in this chapter This week, we're in this chapter, and this week, we're in this chapter. But somewhere, somewhere driving down that road, it was, it was nice and simple just driving down the road, looking out the window. Yeah. It was not, the weather was nice just driving down the road. For some weird reason, I looked over. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Look at that exit. Look at that exit. That exit says seven signs and seven I am statements. Oh, we got to go check that out. And it's, and like, but no, 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 no. We got to stay on the road because we've got six to seven weeks. We have a destination. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to take that exit. We got to take that exit. It's like, you know, the largest ball of yarn. We've, we, we, it's, it's like a, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's rattlesnakes. It's, it's whatever. It's the, the largest armadillo ever found. Like, you know, when you're driving and you see those exits to some just off the wall attraction or some weird thing, right? The largest cowboy boot. And you're like, oh, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. And everybody in the car is like, no, nobody wants to stop. Oh, wait, there's a historical marker. Nobody cares about the historical marker. Nobody cares about the largest ball of yarn, the biggest plate of spaghetti, the largest steak, the largest cowboy boot, the, the giant armadillo, rattlesnakes, whatever you see on those little exit signs. But for me, I saw an exit sign. And it said seven signs and seven I am statements. And I'm like, well, we're in the gospel of John already. This is gospel of John adjacent, right? And some of the chapters are, well, at least one of the chapters that we're looking at in the gospel of John is one of those sign chapters. So, I mean... We, we have to do this, right? We, we, we've got to take the exit. And everybody was screaming, no, don't take the exit. And I'm like, boom, gone off, off the road. And now I can't find my, my way back to the highway, right? So now we're like, we've kind of obliterated, left, forgotten the road that we were on. So I feel bad 
And I feel like, what was I thinking? Why did I take that? And so now I'm yelling at you. They're in the back seat. I'm like, why did you let me take the exit? And they're like, we didn't tell, we tried to stop you. I'm like, no, you didn't. You told me to take the exit. And you're like, no, don't put the blame on me. I'm like, you don't, don't make me come back there. Okay. Well, okay. Well, maybe that's a little bit of exaggeration, but you get the idea. So here we are. We're off on the, the side road attraction, seven signs and seven I am statements. As much as I regret taking the exit, I, I still think it's beneficial. We've had some bizarre sermon reviews, have we not? Whoa, those things have gone horribly wrong. But hopefully somewhere in all of this, someone somewhere. Oh, I introduced you to a book about on the seven signs, right? That that have to be worth something correct. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for something that I did right. I, 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 all I can do now is just go next time. Don't take the exit, but there's a high probability that if I see whatever the side, whatever the exit attraction is, I'm like, Oh, I got to go see that. I got to go see that. Right. I got to go see that. Uh, whatever it may be. I, I have to, um, yeah, it's like in uh, Fredericksburg, uh, Texas, we're in Fredericksburg, Texas. And all of a sudden I see, Oh, wait, at night, like at about, you know, right when the sun is going down, all the bats come out of this like old abandoned train tunnel, right? And I'm like, oh, I got to go see that. So we went and you can sit there and then like, it's just crazy right as the sun's going down. Like, it's like millions of bats just come pouring out. It's crazy as they go out to, to find, you know, food at night. It's crazy. All of these bats that basically hide in like this old abandoned train tunnel. But like that's, that's one of the side attractions that I would be like, let's go look at bats leaving. Right. And everybody else would be like, no, how about we do something normal? But I like the, I like the side road. I like the exit attractions. Don't you? Don't you? Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, wait, we got, no, we've got a schedule to keep. So that, that's the difference in me. But sometimes in Bible study, I take the side road. I take the, I take the exit to the attraction because as much as I like staying with those chapters, if I see that we've stumbled upon some kind of idea and we still haven't really completely brought all of this together, but let's, 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 all I can do now is just kind of double down, right? There's no backing out of it, right? So now that I'm in it, all I can do is double down. So, hey, it's Saturday afternoon. We are so far behind in our Bible study exercise. It's not even funny, but let's do this. Even though we're behind, let's go back to John chapter two, which is one of the signs. Remember, here are the signs. Here's the seven that we are utilizing according to the book that I told everyone to buy. Here we go. Remember, the seven signs of Jesus play a prominent role in the structure of the gospel of John. These signs exclusively appear in the first half of John. Here is a list of the seven signs uh, and where they appear in the gospel of John. Number one, everyone should know this now by memory, turning water into wine, John chapter two, verses one through 11. Number two, cleansing the temple, John 2, 12 through 17. Don't you remember this sermon review yesterday 
on cleansing the temple. Was that not one of the worst sermon reviews we have ever done? It has to be up there. Number three, healing the nobleman's son, John 4, 46 through 54. Healing the lame man, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Feeding the multitude, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Healing the blind man, John chapter 9. And raising Lazarus, John chapter 11, all right? And we and remember, we believe these signs, that they're there, all right? In fact, I'm going to I'm going to just read the uh, from the book that I told everyone to purchase. The purpose of the seven signs in the Gospel of John. Let us begin by considering what these seven signs have in common. Uh, uh here we go. One is that they were each performed in public in the presence of witnesses. The signs of Jesus were not secretive, they were meant for the public to see. Another is that all these signs are specifically called signs in John's narrative. Now remember we kind of we kind of I think we kind of disprove that. The word, the Greek word for signs may show up in connection to these things, but it's not like Jesus himself is calling them a sign. So, um, but the word is there. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. You, you can, you can see how you feel about that. Um, that tells us John wants his readers to understand these mighty acts of Jesus specifically as signs, interpreting them in light of what the Old Testament teaches about the nature and purpose of signs. It also informs us that John's purpose links these signs to one another. So these signs share a common and collective purpose. John explains what this collective purpose is towards the end of the gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 30, John says he purposely selected a limited number of signs to to tell his readers about. He writes, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. John confesses that he left out other signs. Then John reveals the exact purpose of the signs. He did choose to include in his gospel and why. By the, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through him. These signs are to point to who Jesus Christ is. They're to show us that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. They're to show maybe his connection to being the Jewish Messiah and his deity. They have a specific purpose. Now, what we saw yesterday is someone preached a sermon on cleansing the temple. First, completely ignored that it was a sign. Secondly, never used it to really teach us about Jesus because they they made it about themselves. So we we are going to continue to work on them. Now, remember, if the... If John in the kind of the first half has these seven signs, it seems in the later half, he has the seven I am statements. And so I'm still challenging everyone to connect the seven signs with the seven I am statements. I'm not going to go through the seven I am statements right now. Hopefully you have those written down. If not, you can look them up and we we will work on them later. But I want to do some work on John chapter two this afternoon. And then I don't know how I'm going to approach church tomorrow but we're going we're gonna to see what we can do tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church that, I, I, that hopefully will, will add to this discussion and add to this study. But are you ready? John chapter 2. I have two Bibles here. I'm just going to read from the translation that I just happen to have open. Here we go. My Bible, this Bible, has a heading. The first sign, so they refer to it as a sign, turning water into wine. Some don't have cleansing the temple as a sign, just so that you know. Some don't have that as a sign. We could ask, should we include that as a sign or not? We could get into that debate, but here we go. All right, on the third day, 
A wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. I'll stop right here. Do you think it has... Now, if we go with the early church and we go with the early church fathers, I haven't even looked at this. I haven't looked at uh, the writings of the, uh, the church fathers. I know we have an app out there. Uh, and I think there's one person currently listening who knows which app I'm referring to that gives us commentary from the early church fathers. If they could look like right now <laughs> and tell me, does any of the church fathers make a big deal that this happened on the third day? Because that was right up the alley of the early church fathers. They'd be like, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Therefore, this is a picture of Jesus' ultimate like resurrection. I, I, who knows what they would do with it? I, I, I would be interested to see if any of them make a big deal out of the third day. Um, I hadn't even really thought about that or, or focused on it up to this point. Let's see, does the King James, how's the King James say it? And the third day. So yeah. Uh, all right, good. Someone just said, I'll check. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'm just curious now because that, that just seems the early church fathers love that stuff. They love the allegorical approach to hermeneutics. I'm not saying we should make anything a big deal out of it being the third day. You, you can tell me what you think. But on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Now, second question. So the third day, does that, do you think there should be any significance? Second, it's a wedding. Do you think we should find some symbolic, allegorical, illustrative significance because it's a wedding? It's the third day and it's a wedding. What do you, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'm just, I'm just asking questions now. I'm just asking questions. So on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. Please note, we read a, or we didn't read, we listened to a sermon, and we did a sermon review where, for some reason, the person who was teaching John chapter 2 treated Jesus and his disciples as the wedding crashers, right? They, they kept acting like they were not invited, they just showed up. And because they just showed up, well, they ran out of wine. And it's like, well, wait a minute. There's nothing here that says they're the reason they ran out of wine. And secondly, it literally says they were invited. <laughs> so I don't. So that was bizarre. That was bizarre. All right. So they were invited. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Now, a lot of people spend a lot of time on verse four, a lot of debate on verse four, a lot of things. For example, there's disagreement. You can get some commentaries that when Jesus called her woman, they say that's a term of endearment. Others say, no, 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 no. When he referred to her as woman, that's not a term of endearment. It's kind of cold and it's indifferent and it's not the way a son would typically address the mother. So comment, com, uh, commentaries don't seem to agree. Now, would it, do you think there's anything significant about what some say, well, why did she come to him? Now, either there's speculation. Some say Mary, Mary was possibly uh, related to the people, either the bride or groom. And so she goes to Jesus for help. And the speculation is she went to Jesus for help because her husband was dead at this time. Joseph had already died. So, um, which then, you know, uh, which uh, many Catholics would utilize to try to show the perpetual virginity of 
marry so we could get into a discussion about that. I don't know if any of that really look I think you talk about taking a an a an exit off the main road. I think if you're not careful you can really let that take you off the main road and 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 we miss the whole point. Maybe the most important uh, part of this is my hour has not yet come. Now, what's weird is he says my hour has not yet come and then he turns around and does a miracle. So it's really bizarre. Hey, wait, well, why are you asking me to do this? My hour has not yet come. Okay, but I'll do it. It's really like, it, I don't know. I like that we could spend all day speculating on verse four, but then verse five, do it. Then she says, Mary says, do whatever he tells you. His mother told the servants. Now, verse six here. Okay, good. All right, someone said they, they, they didn't see anything uh, about the third day specifically. That's interesting. That's interesting. I thought they would. Maybe they don't. But for me, it's the next verse that I think everything hinges on. This is my, this is my take as of today, March the 25th, 2023. I may change my opinion by March the 26th, 2023. But here's really what I want you to focus on today if you're working on the Bible study exercise. Are you ready? The next verse. Now, six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. King James, go to the King James, verse six, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. The six water pots, the six Water pots. Now we we we. It seems to be universal agreement that this is a sign, right? And this is a sign either to demonstrate maybe Jesus as Messiah, to demonstrate Jesus as the Christ. So when we, we looked at the third day, obviously the church fathers didn't think it was a big deal. It's at a wedding. Some do make that a big deal. All right. We get into the whole. I think in a in a sense detour of going on. Wait. What, why is Jesus referring to her as woman? And why is he, what is that? What Basically, what do we have in common? And hey, it's not yet my hour. And then he turns around and does the miracle. I mean, you can look at that all day and speculate and speculate and speculate. I just think it just takes us further and further and further away. But there is no question that the six water pots, I think, become absolutely critical to interpreting this entire section. So first, we could spend some time trying to figure out exactly what these water parts, pots were, but they clearly are connected to Jewish purification. So you, you could, we could do a little research here. But here is my question for the day. Now, I've given you some questions. Does it matter about the third day? Does it matter if it's a wedding? Those are just speculative questions. Now, this gets to really interpretive question. If this is a sign, the six water pots, I believe, are essential to the entire story. What do the six water pots represent? What do they represent? Let me give you two possible ideas. The six water pots represent the six days of creation, which this is going to demonstrate Jesus' deity. This is going to represent Jesus being God. Or 
do the six water pots represents the old covenant. Do the six water pots represent the six days of creation? Or do they represent in any way, shape, or form the old covenant? Now, whichever way you go, I need you to try to prove your answer. I need you to try to justify your answer, right? So this is kind of like today, please work on this and email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I want you to know which way you go. You can look at the the, the book uh, on the six signs that I told everyone. You can look anywhere. You can look at all the arguments, but I just want you to think it out. What would you, how would you, how do you approach it? Like in your life, how have you handled those six water pots? Have you thought they symbolized anything? Maybe you're going to argue that don't symbolize anything. They're just six water pots. I don't know. I think, I think they're essential to the whole story. And this is a sign. So it's got to point to Jesus. So I think the fact that he uses six water pots, I guess you could argue, well, couldn't it represent both the six days of creation and the old covenant? You, you, can, you can tell me what you think, all right? So here's what we're going to do. I have a, a sermon queued up because I'm constantly telling you in 2023, one of the greatest things that we have is all the resources that are available to us right there in the palm of our hand, a phone or, an, or a tablet. So what I did is I just went to the Sermons 2.0 app and I typed in six old, or I, I typed in six water pots. I, that's all I got. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't put in the word old. I ended up with a sermon called Six Old Water Pots, but I just did a search on the Sermons 2.0 app, uh, six water pots, and I just randomly chose one. Did, have not listened to it, have no idea which direction they're going to go, but I thought we would add in a little bit of a sermon review here. We're not really interested in reviewing the whole sermon as much as we're just trying to see how do they interpret the six water pots. Now, obviously, I could have listened and found where they talked about the water pots and just played that clip specifically, but that wouldn't be any fun. So we're just going to start the sermon at the beginning, see what they have to say about all of these things that I've just now asked and pointed out and got you thinking about. But I want to know the six water pots. Now, maybe they're going to come up with a third possibility. I've offered six days of creation or the old covenant. You, You can tell me what you think, but let's just dive into this and see as we try to add to our ongoing detour, our ongoing exit so far away from what we intended. But this is one of the, the, this is the first of the seven signs. So let's dig in and see what we can find on this Saturday afternoon. Sounds good? Well, even if you don't think it sounds good, even if you don't think it sounds good, it does. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, it sounds good. All right, here we go. You ready? I got Bibles open. I got pencils. I got notebooks. I got everything. Let's go. Let's see what we're about to find. I have no, I have no idea what's getting ready to happen, but I just want you to realize you've got that tool right there. You've got the Edify Christian podcast app. You got the sermon, uh, sermons.net app. You got the sermons 2.0 app. You should learn to use those things all the time right? because it's just awesome. You can do a search and just boom, just get all the different perspectives. So let's see what perspective we find right here. Amen. Praise the Lord. I do have the uh, guest lapel on, although 
Foghorn Leghorn say, I say, I say, I say, I ain't no chicken. Um, I ain't no guest. And uh, this is home. Glad to be home. Glad to be here at Maranatha. Glad to be with you. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a joy. And I'm definitely a privilege to stand behind the pulpit and uh, to share from God's Word. If you go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 2, and while you're doing so, I want to say thank you for all those that prayed for me this week. Thank you. Uh, whatever that was that I had, the doctor said it was just a big sinus infection that just gave me one massive headache, and uh, I gave Kelly one too. Uh, just, uh, you know, I'm a big baby when things like that happen. But, uh, but she takes good care of me, and thank you folks for praying for me and uh, kind words, and it's, uh, it's good to have strength back, energy back, to be back serving the Lord with you. Praise the Lord. Well, you see your little notes there, if you have them in front of you. I'm talking about six old water pots, and it's just a thought from this passage of Scripture. And uh, John chapter 2, verse number 1, I'm going to read down to verse number 11. And the Bible says, And the third day there was a marriage in Canaan, Cana, uh, of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Her name was, quiz, Mary, yes. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. And say that. That's good advice anytime. Amen. If Jesus says something unto you, do it. And so it goes on and says, verse 6, And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of purifying for the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And when they bear it, when the ruler, and they bear it, and when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that it was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine, until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now, I believe it's verse 11 where it says this beginning of miracles. And I believe the Greek word there for miracles is where we get the word sign or signs, meaning this beginning of signs did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. Right. So there's there it would be made. a it, This one would be a good place to look where it is called a sign, meaning that is this is the first sign of the seven signs in the Gospel of John. All right. Let's see what we want to know about is those six water pots. That's what I want to focus on. We're going to talk about some six old water pots tonight. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you for your holy name. And thank you, dear Lord. The songs tonight. Now, the singing group, the quartet, talking about sailing home, all about heaven. And Lord, heaven is that wonderful place, dear Lord, that we are looking to go to in our final rest. But Lord, help us as we live here, as we strive to serve here, and doing, dear Lord, 
your service. Lord, we love you. Bless thou this servant tonight. And we praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as an introduction here, this wasn't, this moment here that's happening in the passage of Scripture is Jesus was in the land of Canaan, and it was the third day, and there was a wedding. And I call this the not-so-perfect wedding in Cana. It wasn't so perfect. You know, every bride, and of course, bride's mother, wants to have the perfect wedding for their daughter. Okay, so I always make the joke that every sermon, every sermon on John 2 follows the template. I think all pastors get a memo. Hey, when you preach John chapter 2, you got to talk about weddings. You got to talk about weddings. You got to talk about the imperfect wedding. You got to talk, tell some funny story about something bad that happened in a wedding. You've, you got to make it about, everyone focuses on the fact that it's at a wedding. 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 And how bad it was. And how it, the horror of horrors happened. They ran out of wine. This, their whole reputation would be destroyed. This is the most embarrassing thing. This is basically worse than finding out that they had cancer. I mean, like, it, it, it's just so funny how, like, you always know how these sermons are going to begin. I, I don't, I, I, I guess I understand it because everyone sitting there has either been married, been to a wedding, they've experienced it. So maybe this is a way to draw everyone in. I just, I just don't know if, if we pay, place so much emphasis on the fact that it's at a wedding. I wonder if we do disservice to the text. Now I'm not saying that's what he's going to do. It's just funny that immediately once he reads it, he's going to go into weddings and we all know how weddings work it's just it's just funny that you can almost predict it like it's like i know the sun's coming up and i know the sun is setting right i know i know you know how things are going to get like there's some things that are just a guarantee death and taxes and how people preach john chapter two all right maybe maybe you you can disagree but yeah that's that's what i'm thinking all right let's let's continue the perfect one and the bride, bridegroom, he's kind of tossed in there with it as it goes along. Is that right? I mean, he, usually in the cases, the bridegroom is on the line. Honey, what colors would you like? Honey, what shall I wear? Honey, what do you... It's her special, special day. Is that right? Is it the bride's special day at her wedding? Special day. And so this was a very special day for the bride and the families. Even special guests had come. There was even a governor over the wedding. Very traditional uh, wedding. They would always have a special guest come. And that special guest sat at that special seat to oversee the whole feast that was going on. Of course, we see that something happened here. Something happened. They were running out of grape juice. Is that right? Grape juice. They're running out of the, the new wine. The new wine. Wine was, in the Bible times... Uh, predominantly that which was the fresh squeezed juice from fruit. And here the wine, we're, we're just going to, for the sake, stay with that of grape juice. And the grape juice would be given the best at the beginning. And as the, 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 the festivities would go along and things were starting to get a little short, once you measured how much everybody is needing to have, they would start adding water to it, thinning it out a little bit. But the taste is already in the mouth, so it was okay as it kind of tapered off. Now, I know, I know this is obviously a Baptist church. They're really emphasizing grape juice. I don't know. 
I don't know if you can argue that this is grape juice. I don't know if you can argue this is grape juice. For some, look, I hate alcohol more than any person on the face of the planet, okay? I loathe it. But that's personal feelings, and that's based off statistical evidence of all the pain and suffering and destruction that alcohol brings into the humanity, all the pain and suffering. I hate alcohol. But guess what? I can't come to the Bible and bring in my personal feelings. Here's what I know. Let me give you an example. Obviously, the Church of Corinth, they weren't using grape juice for communion because people got drunk, okay? People got drunk and connected to their celebration of the Lord's Supper. Clearly, they were using alcohol, (laughs) clearly. So I don't know if you can say this was grape juice. Now, look, I think it's perfectly, I don't think you have to demand, well, wait a minute, the the Lord's Supper must be alcohol. No, I think it has to come from the fruit of the vine. I think it has to be, it has to be either grape juice or wine. I don't think you can just, you know, substitute Sprite or whatever, but I, I think it has to be wine or grape juice because it's fruit of the vine. I think that's the main thing, but when we try our, I, I, and I think you can make a good argument that the product then would not have had the same alcohol content that a, mo- a lot of the modern drinks have today. You can argue there's a difference. There was a difference in product. There was a difference in purpose, right? The water supply in many cases was so polluted that you would, it was much safer to drink wine. But our, obviously things have changed today. But I don't know if you can call this grape juice. I, I, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that, well, put it this way. I don't want to get, I don't want to take that exit and get into a never ending debate, whether it was alcohol or not alcohol, because that's clearly not the point, uh, the point of this. I want to know what he has to say about the water pots. And the governor gives us that instruction, but something happened here and they were calling. Everybody was there. Jesus was there. They were at the wedding. And so all this is happening. So not only was this not the not so perfect wedding in Cana, there was also a great plight in the family. The great plight in the family. They didn't know who to go to. But obviously Mary had some kind of connection with the family. One, she was invited there. But number two, now she's in in the know. You know, the whole thing is, you know, if you mess up, don't tell anybody. Nobody will know it. You ever, you ever knew that? When we sing, we're up here. That's one number one instruction. If you mess up on the words, whatever, don't tell anybody because nobody will ever know that. I was singing in a trio one time, and I got to the third verse, and my mind just went, gone. For some reason, we had no notes. Not for me, is a no, no. I had no notes. And so it came to the third verse. It was okay. We were singing together. I was listening to them. I got all my notes, got all my words, and come down to the words for the third verse, and it was nothing there. So what'd you do? I made up a whole third verse. It even rhymed a little bit and even made just a little bit of understanding. And I even got some amens out of it. And at the end, some folks said, I never knew that verse was there. Now, I was supposed to do halfway through the verse, a duet with the tenor. He just went, mm-hmm. he had no idea where I was going. And then we went and sing. So you don't, okay, so in, in a family situation like this, it's funny because 
I I do the opposite. If I make a mistake, I, I immediately, you know, in the pot, like I've had people email me, you shouldn't make a big deal when you make a mistake. And I'll, I'll, I'll will immediately go, well, I, I think I said that word wrong. And then halfway through the, the, the podcast episode, I, I, I feel bad that I messed up that word at the end of the podcast. I, I know I messed up that word. And like, it'll just haunt me. The, and then, and then three episodes later, I remember three days ago, I messed up a word like, like, yeah, I, I don't do like in many cases, I should just correct it and move on or just leave it as is and just move on. But if I, if I, if all of a sudden it catches me that I realize I made a mistake, I will. Yeah. I, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. But yeah, I understand what he's saying. Um, okay. So funny story. All right. Mary obviously knows what's going on and well, she's, I guess she's going to try to keep it private. So she tells her son, you don't tell the guests that, sorry, folks, we're, we're out of wine. You just don't do that. The family had a major plight going on, and Mary was in the know. She had to been connected with. I just love how every preacher describes a major plight. Some call this an absolute disaster. Some call some call this a horribly and like everyone is so the hyperbole and how bad this situation was is over the top to me. I don't know why preachers do this. It, they ran out of wine for crying out loud. It can't be. Is it that big of a deal? I know everyone's like, this is like the, the greatest. And like, I, I don't know. I, I could think of a lot of worse things that could happen, right? Like the building could collapse and kill everyone in the, in the marriage party. The, I don't know. The, 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 the groom could fall over with a heart attack. I, I, the building could catch on fire. Like I could think of some really horrible, horrific, horrible, horrible, horrible things. But everybody's like, like, they ran out of wine. You got to understand. This is the problem of problems. This is like three seconds away from death. I mean, in fact, it would have been better for everyone to die than run out of wine. I'm not saying he's going that far, but sometimes the sermon so, ex- to me, almost use hyperbolic language like this. You just don't understand how bad this problem was. And maybe I don't understand how bad the problem was because I would be like, we ran out of wine, get over it. Right. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't even care. I don't know. But, but maybe, maybe I'm, you know, that's just me. That family. So who does she go to? The one that she knows that can fix it. Can I tell you something? When we have a plight that we're in, there's one that we can go to that can fix it. His name is Jesus. And so she runs to him and says, hey, there's a. See, I. Is that an application here? Because she went to Jesus. Then we can always go to Jesus to fix our problems. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Did Jesus come to fix our problems? He came to fix our. He came to fix the problem that we are under the wrath of God and that we're sinners. But what problems does Jesus come to fix? I, I mean, I mean, this is a constant way that this is preached. See, hey, they had a problem. You go to Jesus. Jesus fixes your problems. So let's let's just go through this. Let's just go through this. All right. Let's. I'm just going to name some problems. All right. Let's. Your house burns down. Will Jesus fix that problem? I mean, he obviously let the house burn down in the first place. Your car breaks down. Is it just gonna? Is Jesus going to fix that problem? Now you say, well, he may use other people to fix the problem. Yeah, but I I know atheists whose cars break down that other people come and help, right? Like, I mean, so like how to, if you get cancer, Jesus is going to fix the problem. 
Oh, if you, oh, if you end up with a seizure disorder, is Jesus going to fix that problem? Like I can go on and on. If you're, if you're paralyzed, Jesus is going to fix that problem. If you're a child being molested, is Jesus going to fix that problem? If you're a woman being sexually assaulted, is Jesus going to fix that problem? If your child is kidnapped, is Jesus going to fix that problem? If you live in the Ukraine and there's a war because Russia invades, is Jesus going to fix that problem? We always like, you know, hey, whenever you have a problem, go to Jesus. He's going to fix it. I, I mean, look, by all means, you can pray. Oh, by all means, pray. By all means, ask. By all means, petition. By all means, request. By all means, beg. By all means, plead. By all means, continue to knock. But I don't know if you can guarantee that, hey, whenever you have a problem, go to Jesus. He can fix it. I guess you can say he can. There's no guarantee that he will. But we always take a story like this saying, see, Mary went to Jesus and he fixed it. So you go to Jesus and he, it's almost like it's just a done deal. Well, then people go to Jesus and their problem doesn't get fixed. Their child doesn't. Cancer is not cured. The child who got hit by the drunk driver dies while the drunk driver is okay. I can go on and 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 on. You're, you're, as a child, you, you're, you become, you go five, 10 years being molested and the molester never gets taken. Justice never comes to them. Or you're being abused, tied up in a closet, burned with a curling iron, hit with a baseball bat, whipped with an electric cord. I can go on and 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 on. Problem, they have no wine. And Jesus responds to her, says, it's not my hour. And then I'm sure Mary gave Jesus the look. You know how moms give the look? And she turns over to the servants and says to the servants, do what he says. Do what he says. So then we have the, the thing. So the prayer of a mother, Mary prays. And so, that, you know, in the introduction, to my last little sub-point here, the presence of the water pots. The presence of the water pots. And so we see there that there are six water pots. They're sitting there, and, and he, Jesus references to them. He tells the servants what to do with them, fill them with water, and just give out. But there's something special about these six stone water pots. Now, as preachers, we go into our commentaries and we try to find something historically connected to that. And can I tell you something? There's some really big stuff written about these six water pots. And some of that, that I'm kind of like, does that really pertain? No, it doesn't pertain to that. I mean, they talked about, you know, a little bit of this and dispensations and, and dates that are connected to it that were practical to when was the stone time of the pots. Didn't they have wooden pots? Yes, they did have wooden pots. But these pots here had a specific purpose. It says that they were there for the purification, for the Jews. Now, the Jews had many laws. And someone flowed on over that this was a historical Old Testament law that the Jews had to have during a historical time. Well, it doesn't really tell us that it was a historical time going on. But they did have laws in regards to washing. Laws to being clean. So I can see they didn't have running water back in Bible times. Some folks did out back called the creek like we have. And they would go out to the creek and get some water. Jerusalem actually did have a little bit of a water system going on. Rome definitely had a water system going on in history. But the typical home would have water pots. 
they would just have these pots sitting there. And so for whatever they were the reason they were there, whatever their the purpose were for, but they were there. They were noticeable. Everybody could see them. And probably in every house. Some- now, I do like the fact that he acknowledges, look, commentaries go all in on these water pots. They do. And and for our study, I do want you to, to go there at some point. Right now, I, I just, I've given you two possible options in how to understand their possible symbolic meaning, the six days of creation or the old covenant. Now, he's just kind of getting into the, the actual history of them and that all the homes would have had them. They'd have running water. Okay, got it. All right, let's see if he, where he goes with this because this, this is why we're reviewing this. I don't know what he's going to say, though. Remember, I chose this at random, so this is always the fun part. Somebody had some kind of item in order to hold the water for the family. Now, they had different types of vessels, different types of, uh, of water pots that are out there. They had some that were of clay, some that were of wood, uh, some that were uh, even of brass and metal. But someone would get this big old thing and they would hone it out and make a big old pot out of it. Now, it is interesting. Is there any significance that these are stone water pots? Because there were different kinds. I haven't given that much thought. Do we, again, do, we don't want to go too far with this. We don't want to go too far with this. But is there a significance that it was stone? Is there any significance it's the third day? Is there any significance it's a wedding? Everyone makes it a big deal that it's a wedding. Is it, is it a big deal that these were water pots used for purification? Is it a big deal that there were six of them? Can you imagine how much a pot that would hold, as it would estimate, it, it gave out into this frickin' Uh, number, uh, draw and give it the feast, and the feast, da, 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 da. it was three firkins, F-I-R-K-I-N's, a piece. A firkin, when it mass, mass balanced out, came to be somewhere between 25 and 35 gallons of water. So let's take this stone pot that could even hold 35 to 45 gallons of water. I thought about bringing one of our large trash cans out here. Okay, you remember, can you picture our large trash cans? Can you picture, now, you know how heavy that is. Can you picture that being made of stone? How heavy that is? We've got these urns out front. They're made out of concrete. They're very heavy to move, but they're only so big. Can you imagine something so big? Can you imagine something that's holding 20 to 30, 40, 35 gallons to 45 gallons worth of water? Water is at eight, gallon, 8 pounds per gallon. Do the math. We're talking a lot of poundage per, per thing. So that's why. Right, does, do you feel that it's significant that it, I mean, the text gives the measurement, right? I mean, is, I mean obviously the text says they hold three, two to three firkins apiece. Two to three firkins apiece. The... As a different translation says, 20 to 30 gallons. 20 to 30 gallons. Now, the text literally gives us that. So on one hand, I want to say, well, it's not really significant. But is it significant that they're stone? Is it significant that it gives 20 to 30 gallons? He would say, don't pour out. I can't imagine them pouring out that water. But to draw out. So there's something about those those old water pots, they're sitting there. 
And so he sits there and, you know, and, and, he, and, and he sees the water pots. Because water pots were used for many different things, as I mentioned. But vessels were used for many different things. In John chapter 13, verse 4, 14, and, sorry, verse 4 and 5, we find Jesus in the upper room. And he rises up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin. A basin is a, a vessel. We find other vessels throughout Scripture as God has used them for many different things. Even some that were made out of leather skins. The, 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 the flask, the wine flask that was used was a, was a wine skin. And so they're all different shapes. Vessels are all different sizes. And they hold all kind of different things. And so one thing that I do want to point out in regards to all these big old studies out there, in regards to these six water pots, I do want to bring one simple thing and to boil it to us. You see, there are six water pots. Throughout Scripture, God has used numbers for many different things. Seven, the number of completion. You know that? And the number six is for the number of man. And so just think along the lines. Jesus is teaching us the story. You think it was just a coincidence that they had six water pots there? Nothing's ever a coincidence in the Bible that we know about. So there is a connection. And God wants to use those vessels as just like God wants to use you as a vessel. And as I just quickly described, vessels come in many different shapes and sizes. We're different colors, we're different textures, but we all are to hold something and to do something. And so tonight I want to talk about this comparison of these six water pots. Number six, with you. Oh, wow. So he says the six water pots represent us. Not the days of creation, not the old covenant. They represent us. Wow. Okay, I'm going to let him play this out. We're not going to review the whole thing. Uh, th- again, this is called Six Old Water Pots. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app. I would challenge you to go listen to the rest. We'll we'll play this out a little bit more. There's only about 30 minutes left, we, but we'll, we'll probably at least uh, take this broadcast up to the hour. So we got about 10 minutes. Maybe we'll go about an hour five, maybe an hour 10. I don't want to go much longer than that. It's already one o'clock in the afternoon here in West Texas, and I still have a lot to do for tomorrow, um, and I need food at some point. But um, I'm, I'm, mm. so now we have three possible interpretations. You see here, this is the problem when you say this is a sign. See, this is the, this is the hermeneutical challenge. Everyone agrees it's a sign, and it points to Jesus, but then how much do we get into the weeds trying, or using my opening illustration, how far do we get off the highway? How, oh, how, oh, exit, exit, exit ahead, exit ahead. Six water pots. They, picture uh, creation. Whoa, 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 wait. Six water pots. They, pay, they picture the old covenant. Wait, another exit. Wait, the six water pots picture us because six is the number of man. Wow, that's that's let, let let's see how this plays out. And with me. So number 1, water pots that have been set apart. Water pots that have been set apart. We find it there in verse number 6, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Thus the weight difference. And so it had a purpose. It was set apart. 
They didn't take it outside to wash the car, or shall I say, wash the chariot with it, because it was not moving. It was about, you say, about 500 pounds worth of, of, of containment there. And so, and uh, it was something that was a part of the house, so I, I'm sure there was something that was quite decorative. It wasn't a wooden one, because wooden ones that are used for ceremonial purposes, after they're done with that ceremonial purpose, had to be destroyed. But the stone ones could stay. And so they were set for a specific purpose and set apart for a specific reason. First, 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you would turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to read this to you, just a little bit about vessels. God has quite a bit to say in the scripture about vessels. And that we are vessels. We are <laughs> old water pots. Just some old water pots. So he's going to look at everything about these water pots and connect them to us. This is fascinating. So the water pots were set apart. Now he's going to show how we are set apart. This is, I'm not, but see what's, but oh, please note though, what's happening here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. I can't believe I missed this. All of a sudden it just dawned on me. Do you realize what's wrong here? Do you realize what's happening here? Do you realize what's happening? Remember the signs are supposed to point to Jesus. He's taking this and pointing it to us, which is the absolute wrong thing to do. Remember, these seven signs are supposed to point to Jesus. And he just gave us a sign and he's making it about us. It, oh, okay. There's no, okay, this can't work. This cannot work. I think we just realized, I just think, at least I'm going to make the argument this doesn't work because he's turning this first sign of the seven and making it all about us. He's not making it about Jesus. He's making it about us. Well, let's see where he goes here. He's going to go to First Timothy. Well, we don't. We, we're not going to play a lot of this, but we'll 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 get for. I, I am interested to see where he goes. This is an interesting study, and at least he's dealing with the text. But I think no, these seven signs point to Jesus. It's it's the whole point of these signs. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It was a vessel set apart. And we're vessels set apart. The first one I want you to see there, it was a chosen vessel. A chosen vessel. It had a specific purpose. It was set aside for the purification of the Jews and for the household water. It had a specific purpose. But we also have a... Were those pots used for a household water or just for the purification of the Jews? Now, and, I, and, and the fact that he's drawing this passage as a cross-reference to John 2 is somewhat fascinating, but okay, okay. Um, mm. But again, he's making it about us specific purpose. We find in Acts chapter 9, verse 13, all the way down to verse 16. This is where Ananias, the prophet, 
was sent by the Lord to go get to see this man named Saul. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chiefs to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I shall show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God had a calling upon this vessel named Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, who changed the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One vessel, just one vessel, and you are a vessel, a chosen vessel, a chosen vessel for him. As a born-again child of God, you are his vessel. You are his family. You are in that family of God. I can't believe he's taken this miracle, the sign of Jesus that's supposed to point to Jesus and literally making it about us. This has been a theme that's kind of arrived in this, in this podcast over the last few days. And we saw this in how John chapter two, the cleansing of the temple, the person made it about us. Like everyone makes these sermons about us when these are signs about Jesus. It, this, it's really fascinating to watch this unfold. I, and, and he, I mean, he's just looking for in now any, any verse that has the word vessel, even though the word vessel doesn't appear. In John chapter two, I don't even know if it's the same Greek. I don't even think it's the same Greek word in any way, shape or form, but water pots are a vessel. And because they're a vessel, then any verse that's has the word vessel in it, I'm going to use it as a cross-reference. That, that is an interesting hermeneutical approach. God, he has a purpose for you. He has a, a set apart thing for you to do because you're a chosen vessel. Number two, a sanctified vessel, a sanctified vessel. As we saw at the wedding, these, these were sanctified for the purifying of the Jews. Purifying of the Jews. We find there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, there was a one, vessels that were set unto honor. It was set apart. It was sanctified. It was, had a specific purpose. But it was not only a specific purpose, but some vessels are given completely over to God. They're sanctified. They're given unto his purpose, not just any purpose, but for a specific one for God. So a sanctified vessel. Oh, but we also have to see that we get dirty vessels, a dirty vessel. This is what we should never be as a child of God, a dirty vessel. Uh, If I'm home by myself for any length of time, there's many of those dirty vessels lying around. But when I know Miss Kelly's coming home, those vessels get cleaned really quick. (laughs) Unless I'm sick. And then the headache really begins. Uh, But a dirty vessel. The dirty vessel represents a life characterized by sin. Sin that, that we have in our heart. Sin that we're harboring from God. Sin that God's forgiven, but now it's not preventing us from being that vessel for God. But what it is preventing us from doing is being that right vessel and serving Him. God's not going to give into you something that has got some garbage in it. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, you can continue to listen to it again. Six old water pots on Sermons 2.0 app. By all means, if you do listen to the rest of it, I would love to get your review, your thoughts, your analysis, your critique of the rest of it. But I mean, it's obvious where he's going to go here. I mean, this is, 
these this is a like there I just don't think that this interpretation can work. Like uh, six days of creation, well then that would make sense, right? Because Jesus does he cre- he does a creative act. Water into wine is a creative act at almost the molecular level. He's changing the very nature of what water is into wine, right? It he is doing a creative miracle right? Where at John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, all things were made by him, right? So this now is a sign that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the creator, which has already been been declared. Now it's being demonstrated. That, that to me makes the most sense, right? Now, which I am statement, you want to create it, you kind of would connect this to the I am the vine. Well, because because he turns water into wine. Okay, maybe that works. I, I would like something that would go more with his power or his being create, being creator. But I think the six water pots are there. Others are like, no, no, no. Since these are six water pots dealing with Jewish purification, then Jesus is taking what was connected to the old covenant, the old covenant, which could never truly clean, could never truly purify. And by turning it into wine, he now is taking the old and making it new where we can be cleansed perfectly the wine representing his blood, or it, it's representing that which is new. He he is transforming the old into the new. And then by Christ, we are cleansed and we are purified once and for all because of what Jesus did. You could possibly go that direction, but both of them would be about Jesus. Making the water pots about us. I did not see that coming. You talk about the plot twist. That was the plot twist. What do you think? What do you think? What do we do with the six water pots? Listen to the rest of that sermon. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app. Six old water pots. If you cannot find it, email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I will send it to you. If you do listen to it, I want your detailed review. I want your analysis. I want your critique. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Please send it to me. And I would love to get your thoughts on all of this. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to bring this to an abrupt end because we're at an hour. So go, go study. Hey, stop listening to me. Go dig in. I want to know what you find. Let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great, great Saturday. Now you've got something to really dig into and to work on. Cannot wait to get your thoughts and conclusions. Everyone have a great day. God bless.